Welcome back, Housing News listeners. This is Alcina Lloyd, and I'm the producer of this weekly podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. Today, you'll be listening to Episode 9 of Season 3, which features the president of Appraisal Stream, Phil Crawford. In this episode, the host of the Voice of Appraisal Radio podcast discusses how COVID-19 has transformed the appraisal process and whether or not the business is an essential service. Crawford also shares his perspective on why appraisers need a bigger voice in policymaking and touches on the potential impact of some recent announcements from federal banking regulators that allow appraisal postponements up to 120 days after a mortgage closes. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. During these challenging times, Quicken Loans Mortgage Services is committed to the health and well-being of its partners, its partners' clients, and its communities. Even though things are changing rapidly, you can count on the QLMS commitment to speed, certainty, and care. QLMS is now approving new partners within 24 hours. That means you can be up and running quickly and be able to help your clients. Visit QLMortgageServices.com to get started. Now, more than ever, QLMS is stronger together. Thank you for listening, and here's Episode 9 of the Housing News Podcast. Hey, Housing News listeners, this is Clayton Collins, the CEO at Housing Wire, and we are back for another episode of the Housing News Podcast. And today, we have Phil Crawford, the voice of appraisal radio, and he is requiring me to say the number one appraisal podcast in America. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, I am, I'm happy to, to help you share that accolade, Phil. Phil, welcome to Housing News. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Clayton. I really appreciate it. So I'm hoping this is an incredibly natural conversation, Phil. Phil, you and I don't, don't know each other. We haven't had a lot of time to prep, but you, do, you are the voice of the appraisal community and appraisers are front and center in this, uh, in this challenge we're facing right now as we, we navigate the, the coronavirus pandemic. And we're really interested in your perspectives on a few of the articles that we've, we've covered this week, as well as some of your, um, your work around the, the corona collapse and its impact on the appraisal community. But before we kind of jump into the, the meat, I want to learn more about you, Phil. Can, can you tell us a little Me? about your background, how you became to be the, the voice of the appraisal community and, well, uh, and a show host? No, no problem at all. I, um, I've been an appraiser for 20 years. Uh, dad was an appraiser and my grandfather was an appraiser and my family's kind of been in the, the real estate business for a long time and then after the last crash after the the big great recession of 2008 I was asked to be on a few radio programs in Cincinnati here and then I became a guest and became a guest and next thing you know I had my own show so then in 2014 um, I decided that there needed to be an appraisal podcast that focused only on the appraisal issues of the day there really wasn't anything like that at the time and that's kind of when podcasting started to take off, 2014, the little app on the iPhone came in and uh, we went away from the radio side, went over to the podcasting side, and I've been the voice of appraisal ever since. So that's how the voice of appraisal podcast started. So 2014 was uh, not, not the earliest wave of podcasts, but pretty early in, in podcasting wave, uh, not, not in the land we are in right now where everybody has a podcast. So tell me about how that show gets started. How's the audience, Bill? Is it primarily appraisers or does, do you yeah. have listeners from, from homeowners to other parts of the mortgage and lending ecosystem? We have a lot of, uh, well, mostly it's appraisers, but we're getting more and more uh, real estate agents and lenders and regulators, they listen to the show as well. As a matter of fact, I can't go down to the radio station and do my show, which is why I have my, my this is at my at-home studio here. 
um, because they won't let me in the radio station. And there's a certain energy that I get from being in there because my producer, Kevin, and I, we've worked together now for going on 12 years. So basically, bottom line is, is I had to move all the entire podcast into my truck. So I've been doing truck cast lately. And people, people like the truck, and uh, they like the content that I put up in there. So we're probably going to start to do more truck cast as time goes on. So well, we're going to talk about curbside appraisals, but uh, I did not curbside. know curbside podcasts were, were, were on the docket <laughs> today. Um, yeah. All right, all right, Phil, let, let's let's hop into it a little bit here. Um, so in our, in our couple minutes of uh, preparation for this call, you uh, you introduced some work that that you've been doing around the the Corona collapse and uh, as it relates to data collection. Fill us in on what you've been thinking about, what you've been working on related to Corona. Well, the coronavirus is kind of weird because it's a national tragedy, but it doesn't have a defined date to it. You ever notice that? Like it kind of crept up on us a little bit. It's not like September 11th when we all knew the day or the space shuttle challenger or the Kennedy assassination. We all had the days in history. Corona and COVID-19 sort of just creeped up on us a little bit. So what we've been able to do in the appraisal community is really focus in on what data from the market is considered to be post-COVID data and pre-COVID data, you see? And we have to have that defining point when that took place. So what I'm gonna to introduce to you is what I call the corona collapse. And this is a, an economic report that I send out to all the real estate appraisers across the country called the Crop Report. So macroeconomic analysis. And if you take a look here at the 10-year treasury yield, the 10-year treasury yield went below 1% for the first time in history on March 5th, 2020. So that's what I would consider to be sort of a data point zero. That's where the data has probably started to reset itself to go into that post-COVID world, okay? And that basically was telling you, there was this just a huge forest fire is what was going on. There was a massive forest fire overseas. All the money was flowing into our 10-year treasury and it was driving that rate down. Now between the 5th and the 11th, see the 11th right there? Guess what happened on the 11th of March? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks came out and said, I got the coronavirus, right? Now my good friend, Ryan Lindquist, he's an appraiser out in Sacramento, said that day reality kicked in to the California market, all listings went off at that time. And then of course on the 15th, the Federal Reserve blew their bazooka, lowered interest rates down to zero, and that sort of is that time period of that corona collapse. So you're talking about the three inflection points, the, the 5th, um, the 11th, and 15th. Yeah. Are, th are those, so if I'm a real estate agent or a mortgage professional and I'm, I'm trying to um, interpret or have a view on an appraiser, appraisal, yeah. um, how am I thinking about those dates? Are they different across the country? Um, are, are, you, are you making an argument that all pendings and closed transactions before that, before pre-corona kicked in uh, are, are, are off the table in terms of valuation. How are you putting those, how are you bringing those dates into action? Yeah, so that's a very good point. And we have to use past data to do what we do, right? So right now, what we're, what we're concentrating on is as data flows in consistently, we're keeping a very close eye on things. And you're right. So if I, if we, and remember, I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. There's going to be some markets that are going to have corrections. Mm -hmm downward. But there's also maybe going to be some markets that have some corrections upward too. So there's going to be a lot of pent up demand for buyers. And there's also going to be a lot of pent up demand for sellers. So we don't really know which direction certain markets will go in. And there's going to be different price points too that are going to have different levels of demand. Okay. So I think that, yes, when we moving forward, we get out away from this, these particular days, 
farther enough we get away from it, the more we realize and we'll, we'll, we'll understand how much the pre-COVID world impacts the post-COVID world. So, but I wanna make sure that everybody understands that. Appraisers are not seen or going, this is gonna be terrible, you're gonna lose 20% of your value in your home and all this. If the data says you lost 20%, then we'll tell you you lost 20%. But I don't think any appraiser right now is saying, this is what's, what's going to happen, if that makes sense. What are the, the economic conditions or geographic considerations that might impact whether a market has pent-up demand and is actually a season upward valuation trend versus yeah. markets that are more likely to see a negative revision in valuation? Well, let's take a look at it. First of all, before the corona collapse even happened, my good friend Jonathan Miller out of New York City, he's with Miller Samuel, he's on NBC, Bloomberg a lot. He called the luxury market, which he handles a lot of, the layer cake meltdown. So there was a lot of problems in the higher end price properties at that time before the corona situation took over. So we can perhaps, there's two, there's two things that we're gonna be focused in on most over the next three months. The availability of credit, can a person get a mortgage, and does a person have a job? It's as simple and easy as that. Can you get a mortgage and do you have a job? Can you pay this loan, okay? So if you take a look at maybe the higher price points, the higher end property, they may have a hard time, number one, with income restrictions, and number two, getting mortgages on those quote unquote jumbos and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that could be greatly affected. However, there could be a substantial amount of pent up demand going all the way up to the, you know, to the lower priced homes, mid priced homes, just because people are stuck in their homes. They want to get out. I mean, let's take a look. To think about something in Manhattan really quick, okay? Look at New York City. Total lockdown, right? It's been in lockdown for a long time. You have people right now that have been in their 600-square-foot condo for over 90 days. They've seen every inch of it. They're like, get me out of here. So even though they may not want to move, they may just say, you know what? I just have to get out of this condo. This is, this is, there, there may even be a situation where emotionally, it could almost be like a trauma member. Like I've been stuck in a 600 square foot condo for this long. I have to get out of here. I'm going to list it right now. You know, so you have that type of stuff too. And they're going to want to demand and that demand will be there to buy another condo. Yep. You can see this massive just shifting in the marketplace where you're going to have a lot of demand. People want to buy homes, but then people are going to want to sell them too. So it should be a nice balance as we move forward. The biggest question is, is, is what can people afford and are they going to be able to get the loan to be able to buy those? So let's, let's zoom in a little bit more on where we are right now. And you, you talk about that pre-corona and post-corona data points. And, and here we are, and I guess it's already getting to be like late April, but we're working with a relatively small data set and even smaller that you've been working with over the past month in a post-COVID world. How are you taking into a affect the unknown as you as you work through appraisals every, every day every week your and your, your peers and your listeners as well um, right. working with potentially a week or two weeks or a month of, of of data that actually applies to the world we're living in right it's a great question first of all we, we analyze basically all of the data when it comes into sales and really what the pending contracts look like right now I'll give you the statistic in the last 12 days in the Cincinnati market that's where I'm at I'm in the Cincinnati market it's a great city and in the last 12 days, there were literally over 200 back on market listings. Okay, now think about that for a minute. 200 back on market listings. That's, that's a big portion, that doesn't usually happen. Now of those 200 back on markets, around 50% of them are pending again. 
So that goes to show you that there still is that demand in the marketplace. Now, we're going to have to find out 30 days from now if those pendings actually become closed sales. Are they actually going to be able to get their funding for their mortgages? Okay. And that's a big thing. The banks are backed up. You know, there's a massive war going on between the FHFA and Mark Calabria's office and, and the broker and non-bank community. There's a big war going on. So, but, but we'll take a close look at those. Those other back on markets, we'll have to analyze those and see if they become pending later too, all right? And, and the average days on market for all of those back on markets was somewhere around like seven to 10 days. So there was that built up demand there and let's just see if it continues to, to move forward at that time. All right, so let's, let's move a little bit past the, the data into like the, the physical side of actually completing appraisals in a, in a corona world. So let, can we, let's start with like a, a high level question that, that we've covered a little bit over the last month, but um, this might not be a yes or no answer, but it could be. Are appraisers an essential service? Yes, they are an essential service. They, well, they're considered to be that in Ohio, okay? And I think the, the big reason why they're essential is because the financial system is essential. So you have to keep the financial system moving as we go forward. Um, the big issue that we're running in with now is, you know, three weeks ago, there was a lot of changes with FHA and VA, you know, the Fannie and Freddie. And um, the Fannie and Freddie, because of Mark Calabria's office, and I'm not going to beat up on Mark Calabria because the guy's getting beat up a lot on right now, you know, but because of his office, Fannie and Freddie have adopted a policy that if you want to refinance your mortgage, and it's not owned by Fannie, and if it's not owned by Freddie, or if you want to get a cash out refinance, the appraiser has got to walk into your home. They got to walk in every room. They got to take a picture. They got to go into your sacred space that you've probably been quarantined in for the last, oh, I don't know, 90 days, right? Or 60 days, whatever it's been. It seems like forever. Um, that's a big problem. And that's an issue that we're having in the industry right now. I would like to have the FHFA have a different, you know, policy that would allow the appraiser to do something that I would, what was proposing a curbside appraisal where we have a FaceTime interview with the homeowner when they provide us the information. I think that would be a better product in today's world, but it is really, I mean, if you think a look, take a look at it, it has really put the appraiser in a terrible position because FHFA has not come out and made a policy statement that we're not going to allow cash out refinances right now. They haven't done that. So yep. instead, they, they put it on us. And they say, you know, well, it's up to the appraiser. If he wants to walk in or she wants to walk in, go ahead. Then we'll, we'll do the cash out. If not, you see, so I think it's, it's a political hot potato they just threw over on the, uh, the appraisal community. It's not very cool. So, so I'm under the understanding that I think it was earlier this week, the Fed, FDIC, and OCC made some clarifications for depository banks on their requirements for appraisals and are now allowing the appraisal to be completed up to 120 days after closing. Is yeah. that a, that is a ruling that only applies to depository banks. Is that correct? Does that not extend across non-banks? Yeah, you won't pick that up on the secondary market on the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac side, okay. but you will pick that up on the community banks. And, and I, the appraisers, uh, there's been a lot of appraisers out there that got very upset about that. And, um, and I can understand why they did, but on a community bank level, these are basically 10% of all the transactions out there. I, I myself work with a lot of community banks. If they ever made one of these loans, um, they would probably get my opinion before they made it, take another look at it 120 days from today. But I think that's a, it's, a, it's important for liquidity at this time. 
And I don't think it's going to be something that is going to be mainstream. I think a lot of appraisers are worried that this is going to lead to small community banks not using appraisers. Well, guess what? They don't have to use them now if they don't want to because the de minimis is under, you know, 400,000. But I think that um, I don't look at that as something that needs to be alarming at the moment. Assessing a portfolio for a small bank 120 days from today, it's good workflow and I think it's good business. Yep. You know, it's good sound business. So, so we'll jump back to the FHFA regulated institutions, Fannie, Fannie and Freddie. And mm-hmm. um, so to kind of, what I was hearing from you is that if a, uh, if it's a non Fannie and Freddie uh, portfolio loan or not portfolio loan, but loan today, then right. the appraisal is required. But what about Fannie or Fannie to Freddie like refi transactions? If it's already in a GSE portfolio, what's, what's the current environment or ruling there? If you're selling to Fannie and Fannie has it, you can have a drive-by done. Okay. But Fannie has to have, okay. And the same, same way with Freddie. And what I've been told is they're not interchangeable. So if you have a Freddie and you want to refinance into a Fannie, that's not going to work. So you have to have the full interior inspection completed by the appraiser. Same. And then the cash out, of course, is you always have to have the traditional appraisal. Okay, that's helpful. All right. So now for, for our listeners, can you give us the kind of the definition of a, of a curbside? What, what is a curbside appraisal? How does that work? Um, did, did it work? Was it even a thing pre-COVID or is this a, a new post-COVID phenomenon? Like give, give us the, the full view on curbsides. Before, before the COVID virus, there was a lot of, uh, and there has been for a very long time, for about 10 years, there's been a, a different appraisals that are done. They're called bifurcated, bifurcated appraisals where an appraiser does a desktop and then someone else goes out to the property, takes a picture, does all the, the stuff for the inspection. They've been common. They've been typical. I don't have a problem with them as long as they're done for the right reason, maybe a low cash or maybe a low like loan to value loan, small equity line, something along those lines. I think those products were okay. I think they were okay. But in a post-COVID world, I don't think they're okay. I think they're going to have to make some changes. So what I did was about three weeks ago, I got into my truck and I created what was called or, or labeled the curbside appraisal is what it is. And I think what this has done is, and I'll, I'll just explain it to you. I actually physically go out to the property. If I'm allowed to, remember in some jurisdictions you can't because yep. of the, the lockdown situation. But if I'm allowed to go out to the property, I'll go to the front door you know, and, and, and you know, basically pull up and have the homeowner FaceTime me and come out and make sure that we have the understanding that I am there looking at the property and they are there looking at me. So there's that verification that I'm there seeing this, this, this asset. So you know they're not in their neighbor's uh, recently renovated oh, kitchen. Like that. that's, okay. it, that's it. Yeah, we have to make sure that we're at the right place. And then what ends up happening is, is if they FaceTime me, or, or we, can, we can do a Zoom meeting in my office even before I go. I've got an indication as to what the inside of the property looks like. So I know that the pictures that they send me are going to be accurate, you see. And then after that, the homeowner, I, I actually, look, I mean, I, I use it as a teachable moment. Homeowners are not mad at me. When it, first of all, they're kind of excited I come because they're bored, all right? So you know, there, there's somebody outside and he wants to see inside. It's kind of cool. And um, I, I have them, there's a method to my madness. I have them walk into the, the front foyer and then I kind of, you know, I said, let's pan this direction. Let's go into this. I want to get a good feel as to what the, the house looks like. And as we go through all of the data, all the information I used to keep in my head as I walked around with my tablet or my, my notepad, I'm actually sharing that now with the, the homeowner, see? So now it becomes this sort of teachable moment 
where I can say, okay, now, oh, that's nice granite. Okay, now, that, because you're granite and because this and because that, then that, that, that has an effect on your condition rating. You see, the appraisal that's done, we can't, we can't talk a lot about the value or how we do our jobs to the homeowner because they're technically not our client. The lender's our client. So a lot of times homeowners think we're really aloof and we're mean because you know, he didn't say anything to me. And he didn't, well, we really can't. You know, we're not allowed to. But now we can start to get them more involved because something's changed. And, and this is the biggest thing. The thing that's changed is the homeowner now becomes a data source. And when they become a data source, they're on the hook, you see? So the valuation that I derive, the appraisal that I create, comes from their data. So it's very important that they make, uh, they make the proper uh, you know, representation of what their home is. So that's kind of how I like it. Are you seeing any lenders push back on that, that curbside approach, leveraging FaceTime or video tools to do the, to do the physical walkthrough? Now, I got to give credit to uh, James Hazlett. James Hazlett is the chief appraiser of the Veterans Administration. As you can see here, I love my veterans, American veteran, American appraiser. The, the VA came out and said, it's up to you appraisers. If you feel that you can derive a credible opinion of value using that curbside product or any other product that you want to use, do it. You know, that's something. And so, so they, they accepted it. FHA has accepted it. Fannie and Freddie, remember, Fannie and Freddie, on purchases, yes. On cash, on refinances, which they own, yes, they can do that. It, it, you know, you can do a drive-by, but you can also get the information from the homeowner. But not on the cash out. Not on cash out refinances. And what I would like to see is, you know, and you would know this better than I do. The cash out LTV ratio, what is it like 80% or something? I'm not really sure. I've heard it's 80% as far as cash out refinances. If they're worried about risk assessment, then let us do the curbside. Let us, let us not be in a position to jump into a home that potentially has COVID-19. Or I, God forbid, potentially have it. And I'm asymptomatic for seven days. So now I've been to like 60 different homes in two weeks. And, I, and now I, what I got to do, I got to call up every single homeowner and say, by the way, I had COVID when I walked in your home. Oh, that's not a lawsuit waiting to happen. Sure, that's great. You know, instead of doing all that, why don't you just lower the LTV requirement? Just say, you know, we'll, we'll do a curbside ins inspections, curbside appraisals, but the LTV is 70% now or 65% if you're that worried about the risk assessment. You know, that's what I think. I, I think it's actually a riskier from a, from a level of, you know, society to have people walking in and outside of homes that don't need to be doing it, yep. in my personal opinion. So, and right now, there was just a news article out today from, um, I think it was Atlanta area. Uh, it was one of the troubleshooter reporters basically saying, you know, appraisers could spread COVID-19 because of the requirements in the secondary market. Here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode of Housing News is sponsored by ArchMI's RateStar buy-down tool. Save your borrowers money when you use the industry's only MI buy-down tool to create a custom MI payment the competition can't match. Only from ArchMI. Learn more at archmi.com slash ratestar buydown. Phil, so we're, we're fortunate at Housing Wire that, that we do have a lot of appraisers that, that read our publication. And one thing that I, I know our team notices is our appraisal, appraisers are, are often some of our most vocal audience members and, and, have, <laughs> and have very strong viewpoints on, yes. on, on coverage. And one of the things we, we do here repeatedly is that many of appraisers feel like they're, uh, 
they have a disjointed or fragmented voice in the industry and, and fragmented voice in, in DC. And as, as we talk about some of these issues of appraisal requirements that, that might not make an, an 100% sense in this post-COVID um, environment, how do you think the appraisal voice in, in Washington, D.C. Um, has, has impacted some of these rules, specifically around rules that are still requiring appraisers to go in homes on cash-out refis? There's been a lot of people that work behind the scenes, and that's the one thing that the appraisal profession, because we're so fragmented, you're talking about a lot of people that are so independent that they independently can't get along sometimes. I mean, and, but that's just the nature of who people are. You know, you have to be of a certain nature to be in this kind of business. And when you deal with it, when you, when you look at the people that are working behind the scenes, there are some people that, you know, for instance, there are people that, that, that do have the ear of regulators and they do come out and say, we need help or this is an important issue here, this is an important issue here. What we don't have is that strong position that you would get from the National Association of Realtors maybe an organization like that, or the yeah. MBA, you know, right now, the MBA, I think is very mad at Mr. Calabria, Mark Calabria over at FHFA. They're upset and they're going to drive a message in his direction. The appraisers don't have that at the moment, but the good news is, is that the younger generation of appraisers, myself, appraisers that are younger than I am, are starting to say, look, now is the time to gather that voice together and start driving that in to to regulators most of the issues that we have they're easily fixed you know this, this it's not a complicated thing it's an easily fixed thing and you know going forward the one there's going to be a lot of positive things that come from this covid issue and there's gonna be some negative things but but going forward uh, the days of beating the heck out of the appraiser are over man i mean they're over you know we have all of the data we're going to analyze this data our job is very simple. We have to make sure that the, the financial services and systems of this country does not collapse because if that collapses, forget about it. I don't care how much your house is worth. You know, you're going into a totally different world. Like Mark Cuban says, it's America 2.0. Mm -hmm. So what kind of world do you want to be in if the financial system collapses? You know, so I think that, that beating up that real estate appraiser is not going to be something that we're going to have to deal with in the future. We're going to really have the answers that are, that are going to be there for our clients. And for the American public as a whole. I think you're, you're exactly right that many uh, constituents in the mortgage industry um, around and at the NBA, um, former NBA president Dave Stevens has been extremely vocal um, in, in recent weeks and months yeah. regarding his view on some of the decisions and indecisions made at, at FHFA. Um, being the, the voice of appraisal, um, if you were to... To, to have a view that you think needs to be heard at FHFA or, or in DC, what do you think is the, str the strongest message that the appraisal community needs to get across right now? Okay, so when it comes to Mark Calabria, I listened to him speak. I saw him give a speech at the American Enterprise Institute last year in October. And I kind of know his position and where he wants to go with Fannie and Freddie. He wants to float the bond in 2021, 2022, and take him out of conservatorship. So when I see what he's doing, I don't fault him at it. I, I really, I, you know, I'm a third party. I'm a third party unbiased person. So I'm going to look at all different sides here. And I'm going to say, you know, Mr. Calabria is trying his best not to go down a slippery slope of having Fannie and Freddie turn into this, we'll buy anything and everything to save, to save the country. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I can understand where he's coming from. The issue is, however, is instead of making a policy statement to say, we are going to, on cash out refinances, we are changing our parameters to a lower LTV or to a higher credit score. Because, I mean, look at J.P. Morgan. 
Chase went to 700 Beacon, 20% down, period. I mean, you know, so they made those ch changes. Why can't FHFA make those changes and then adopt some of the new technology that we're introducing as well? It's a simple fix. But because the politics got in the way, the regulators are in the way, now you've got the appraisers in a really bad position. You know? But think about this for just a minute. This is so important. What if you've got an appraiser who, you're like myself, I've got kids, right? I've got a family to feed. That appraiser then has to go out, take jobs that could put themselves at risk, their family at risk, other homeowners at risk. This is a simple solution. Just if you want to change the parameters, of what your cash out refinancing is, go ahead and do that and think about the public safety issues as well. That's all that really needs to be said. But the dirty little secret is, I mean, Clayton, this is the dirty little secret. There's a lot of people in the appraisal world, I'm gonna get in trouble now, okay? It's where I get a little, be a little, get a little controversial, okay? There's a lot of people in the appraisal world that have other alternatives and they have, they have other, you know, they, they've got other things they want to accomplish and that's not what's best for the appraisers sometimes. So I think it's very important going forward that if the appraisers are to have a voice, they need to see all sides. See, I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of appraisers out there have got a lot of um, animosity for the lending system and for the banking system. And that's, I think that's a, a very unhealthy animosity because if we can work together so we can see everybody's points of view, then I think that's the way forward. So let's, let's talk a little more about that, like that, that dirty little secret. And um, mm -hmm. I, I know like, there's not an industry out there that's, that's not concerned about disruption. Not necessarily that a job category disappears, but how does that job change as, as technology improves and, and, the world, and the world changes? And uh, there, there's constant innovation in, in the valuation landscape with, with AVMs and other tools that are, that are bringing lenders um, valuation insights to, the, to their portfolios and potentially new originations. Um, as, you, as a... As a, as a young appraiser, and you talk about some of the other earlier career appraisers that are, that are out there thinking about the future and having a voice, how, how are you thinking about the future of your profession? How are you thinking about the future of the, the tools that you use and how that changes your day-to-day -day as you work with your other constituents across the housing industry from realtors and lenders um, all the way to D.C.? I don't think in any way that technology is going to get rid of us, okay? But being able to look at this data and figure out, okay, now where am I in the, in the history of this market? And where could this market go? That's going to be our specialty. You know, appraisers are not only there, there's, there's going to be a fundamental shift. And the reason why is the appraiser is just not going to be there to tell you how much your home is worth or how much that building is worth. The appraiser is going to have to analyze markets as well. That's very important. There's an appraiser in California named George Dell. And George Dell is big in market analytics, and he embraces a lot of technology. So I call the appraisers that believe in market analytics as George Dellian appraisers. They're George Dellian appraisers. And that's sort of the appraiser that will take place and need to be in, in, in the business in the future. So the days of just pulling up three comps and the one down the street sold for this and this one sold for that one, that one was listed for that. Listen, you're there to analyze markets. You're there to adjust and analyze risk. Anytime something like this happens, the appraiser becomes extremely important. We were born out of the Great Depression. This business was born out of the Great Depression back when you had, you know, awesome guys like Ferdinand Pecora and the Glass-Steagall Act and all these things. We, we were born out of that, and we're going to phoenix out of this one too. Trust me. They're going to come to us. Banks are going to come to us and say, where are we on this? This is so important. And I, and I think um, 
I, I don't know. My, my future looks bright. I'm very excited about it. And I think appraisers, the future is bright for all of them, but they have to see all sides. Of the so I, I agree that the future is bright. And, and I, I really like that perspective of being a, a market analyst and that being able to value markets, not just, uh, not just think about like single, single family properties all the time. But sure. so, but how does your day to day change? Like, do you think, does the future mean you spend more time in front of your computer, less time out in the field? Like what, what, what changes, what tools do you anticipate using when, when you fast forward? I mean, I would, I would usually say five or 10 years, but this is really now like fast forward next quarter because this is the yeah. reality we're living in right now. So yeah. like, what, like, how do you think your future will be different than your 2019 was? You know, it's very interesting because it is true, isn't it? Coronavirus has like accelerated everything. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. It's just accelerated everything. Like where we are right now, working out of our homes and, and half of corporate America, if not all of corporate America, working out of their homes. That was coming 10 years from now. It just accelerated. You know, it's amazing. It really is. And by the way, how, how has my life changed? I'm an essential person. If I'm on the street right now before noon, there's no traffic. There, so it makes my job a lot easier. Okay, I'll just say it right now. But I, I will say, though, that there's a lot of people that have the viewpoint that we're going to be behind our desk more and someone else is going to be out in the field more, right? I don't live that way. My, my, my life, as far as my field time and my desk time, is about the same. And it's so important that an appraiser continues to work in their field, in their marketing area, get out into it, find out what's going on, see what's going on. So I've been a big proponent of that. Um, but I do know that, they, and again, there, there's some firms out there that have only appraisers that do the desktop analysis and stuff. There's going to be that, and that'll be you know, available, and that, that product will be needed. But overall, especially when it comes to the collateralization of mortgages, the bonds that are created, the way that they're rated, all of these things are going to come down to the fact that has an appraiser been to the collateral, have they been to the property, or have they, has their trainee been to the property, and have they done the correct analysis? That's really going to be the most important, I think. So when it, to answer your question, I don't mean to, to glaze over it, but as far as my time in the field and my time behind the desk, with the curbside product, I don't see there being much of a difference. You know, I think involving the homeowner more in the process is a very positive thing. Do you know the number one reason why appraisers get turned into a state? And by the way, I'm going to get that out there real quick. I got to get this out real quick, okay? Don't you turn your appraiser into the state if you have a problem with the value, okay? <laughs> don't do that. Homeowners don't do that. That's just wrong. That's bad. That you because of bad karma, you know. Now, if you think that they're out there and they're committing fraud and they're doing things like that, turn them into the state. That's fine. But you just—that's the one thing. Everybody's got to calm down on the emotions. Emotions are going to get really, really tough in about two weeks from now when this thing opens back up. And emotions are tough and in, in, in going wild in this country right now. Calm down. It'll be okay. Calm down. So, but. Um, what was my point though? You got, you got me off on the point where I was talking about don't turn appraisers in. I get, I get kind of emotional about that. <laughs> but no, but, but involving the homeowner. But if you involve the homeowner now, I think you'll, you'll, kind, of, you'll kind of deter some people for turning the, the, the appraisers into the states. So they'll understand a little bit more as to what our job is and how we do our, our job. You know? So that's very important. So, so Phil, as you, as you navigate this landscape now, are you seeing anything change in the nature of your relationships with, with AMCs? Are you working with AMCs any differently? Are you seeing them present and offer new tools or technologies or information that you need to operate in this post-corona landscape? 
Okay, so I, I don't work with a lot of AMCs. I don't do that. And I usually work with direct lenders. Um, a lot of my lenders are smaller banks, and a lot of them don't have commission-based loan officers as well, okay? As far as the AMCs are concerned, that model may have some issues going forward this for, for several different reasons, because there's going to be different technologies that the appraisers incorporate. There's already new apps that are out right now, things like that. So I think that the AMC model, in order for it to stay uh, viable, is going to need to be there as a complete assistance to the appraiser versus just having that firewall between the, the loan officer that's commissioned and the unbiased appraiser out in the field. So that, that business model will have to have a little bit of a change, all right? And the most, the most important thing right now that we need to concentrate on when it comes to the AMC business model is, is what is the non-banks going to do? You know, what is the position of the non-banks right now? They're, they're really fighting on this servicer issue. And, um, you know, if push comes to shove, they're not going to have any extra money to be paying, a, you know, that middleman kind of company in the middle. So you may start to see more portal activity where, where, where appraisals are ordered through different appraisal ordering portals and things like that to keep that Dodd-Frank compliance. So, and it's interesting you see you don't work with many AMCs. Is that, does, does that vary like regionally or workflow style? Like when you talk to your appraise, uh, your peers, mm -hmm. um, your peers that work heavily with AMCs and those who do not work with AMCs, what, what is the decision there? What, what is the factor that, that makes you choose one path or another? Because well, there clearly are many appraisers who are doing all of their business through AMCs. And I'm yeah, interested and there's in- some and there's some good ones. There's some good, uh, there's some good AMCs out there, um, but they got a bad rap. They got a bad rap after 2008. The appraisal management company model, man, they could have made, oh my gosh, they could have banked it. I mean, they could have made so much money because remember, okay, let, let's, let's go back just a little bit. Let's go back to before 2008. Before 2008, an appraiser would be beat up by 17 different mortgage brokers because the value wasn't right. And the, the mortgage broker would go out there and shop which appraiser would make the deal work. We didn't like that too much. That, that was really sour on us. So after the, the, the meltdown in 2008, that's when the appraisal management company model came into play and, and really became like 80% of the market out there. They could, have, they could have developed these wonderful relationships with appraisers at that time. They could have said, guys, we're going to work with you. We're going to keep people away from it. But instead, what they did was they cut our fees by 50%. They took the market rate of an appraisal, cut them by 50% and said, you know, we're, we're going to keep the rest of the money. So what ended up happening was, and this is really important, Clayton, for 14 to 15 years, we have not been able to replenish our species because we haven't had enough money coming in to have the proper capital in our businesses to train someone, you see? So in a way, they've sort of hurt the appraisal profession when they could have really helped it out and been the white knight that would have just jumped in and said, we can really help everybody out here. So as we move forward now into this next crisis, into this one, we're not going to be relying on them. Now, now appraisers throughout the country do work with appraisal management companies. That's their primary source of income in a lot of ways. And remember I said earlier, there's a lot of animosity between appraisers and banks. Why do you think that's there? That's there because sometimes those middleman companies, those AMCs, haven't been the nicest to appraisers, haven't treated them nicely. So the ones that will be in business going forward are the ones that respect appraisers, that, that have some sort of value add to the process. And that's about it. The rest, the appraisers aren't going to, probably not going to want to deal with, you know.
So on, on the subject of fees, one of the things we've heard from a few of our, our lender audience members is that, um, I, don't, I don't, particularly a few, a few weeks back, like early April, that certain appraisers were saying like, yeah, I'll go out and do an appraisal, but I'm charging a 50% premium. Like the, 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 the COVID premium of like risk associated with going in a home. Is that a, is that a dynamic? Is that anecdotal? Have you heard anything about that? I have not. I mean, I just kind of let market forces go in the direction that they want to go. You know, if, if someone feels as if they're taking on a different risk going inside of a home, perhaps a premium will be charged. I'm not sure. You know, mm-hmm. um, there is that issue of, you know, quote unquote price gouging, you know, type stuff. But remember, we're a service based industry, not a product based industry. So it's a little yeah. bit different. But, um, you know, I think the market will take care of itself. I really do. I think the mar- going forward, I think the market will take care of itself. As of right now, um, you know, the biggest thing, we, and, and this is why I kept on saying, don't turn your appraiser in to the state unless you've got a good reason to do it, is because once you get turned into the state and you have a complaint against you, Clayton, then your E&O insurance policy premium goes through the roof. Okay. So it almost, yeah, so it almost becomes really almost impossible to stay in business just by having one person complain on you for, for an issue that may not be justified, if that makes sense, you see. So, so I think that going forward, I think it's important that we bring all parties together. All parties need to understand each other's positions. And the more, look, you know, I like my banker friends. I like my realtor friends, but we, we have different positions in this whole game. And I think if everybody respects everybody's position, then we're going to be okay. It'll be all right. But unfortunately, and this is where you get into that leadership thing in Washington, okay? I got to give a shout out. I'll give a shout out to John Russell. He's with the American Society of Appraisers. Now, I don't, I don't belong to any of these organizations because I want to be third party on my podcast and rip them apart if I need to. Okay, so I do that for a reason. But, you know, but John does a good job getting our, our message out there. But um, sometimes some of these organizations, they do, they're, they're, they're in bed with certain people. And it, 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 the message that gets to lawmakers and policymakers tends to be a little cloud, if you will not the message that's going to be the best for real estate appraisers out there. So most important thing, you know, the appraiser must be there in these transactions, make sure you don't pay too much for a house and make sure that the, the lender doesn't lend too much on it. You know, simple and easy as that. Phil, I want to wrap up on a, on a positive note here. Yeah. And um, one of the, one of the articles that one of our journalists, Phil Hall wrote uh, earlier that actually it was last week as that lenders and appraisers forge new bond amid, amid coronavirus crisis. And okay. the article goes into some viewpoints from the Appraisal Institute and Vero's Real Estate Solutions and um, the, the CEO of Planet Home Lending. Like there seems to be an overall gratitude toward the, the, the essential workers that are helping get transactions done. So as the, the voice of appraisal, what's your message to realtors, lenders, and appraisers then how they can best work together and navigate this time where transactions are just hard. Yeah, they are hard. They are hard. I think the most important thing is everybody have patience with each other. These are difficult times. And you know what? It's go into the next three months with an uncertainty that's exciting and an exciting uncertainty. You know, look, I'm a geek, man. I'm a geek. I, I get into this stuff all day long. All right. And I, I get into stuff like this. I go back to the Pecora commission and, and, you know, back to the great depression. I've been reading books now on the bubonic plague for crying out loud, looking at how powerful the labor movement's going to be in the next say 10 years. And they're going to have all these new unions out there. 
because there's going to be more power and labor than management, all this stuff. But get out there, be patient, work together, and, and let us analyze that data. That's going to be the most important thing. And, and, and look at the future with excitement and the fact that we don't know where we're going to be. And I do understand that some people out there may actually lose 20% of the value of their home. That could happen. Some people could gain 10%. I have no idea what's going to happen in New York City. That thing's going to be, that's just going to be a wild, crazy ride, okay? Jonathan Miller's there to review it, so we're okay. The bottom line is, is that it's an exciting time in history, even though it's tragic, and even though we have shut down civilization for the first time ever, it's going to be exciting moving forward, and we're going to be able to collect that data and see where we go. You know, I, I talk to realtors in my town all the time, and there's sometimes that my appraised value is lower than the sales contract price, right? But they know I appraised it, and they know I've got a passion for what I do. And if we can go out there and, say, and just say, you know, Phil, it's $10,000 lower than a sales contract, but I know he did his homework. So I'm, I'm, I just, I know he did it. And because if you have that passion, and if you go into this business and you go into these markets and say, hey, let's let, this is exciting. Let's see where this is going to go now. I think that'll filter through all different parties. I really do. I really do. And as far as the agents are concerned, that's going to be one of the biggest places that we have to go to really give all this data to the agents. The agents need to know it more than anything, you know. And I think they're going to have a, a pretty solid summer, in my personal opinion. I think inventory is coming on the market. I think, I think you know, after a, a really bad snowstorm and a bad winter, you know, inventory gets out there pretty good because people want to get out of their houses. Oh, my gosh. You're going to have people want to list houses. There's going to be a lot of babies that are born. <laughs> now there's gonna be a lot of divorces too okay i'm not gonna lie there's gonna be a lot of divorces too okay that, that but that's part of it you know <laughs> hey that's 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 another proponent of real estate transactions <laughs> phil it was very nice talking to you thank you for your time we're gonna be hitting you up for that that data so we can include it in the show notes i know everyone uh saw what you were holding up for our, for our video audience but uh we'll have to we'll have to drop the report in our show notes so our podcast listeners can uh can experience it as well phil thank you again it was a pleasure thank you for sharing your expertise um Listeners, until next time, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please don't forget to give us feedback and rate us on iTunes. Also, make sure to check out HousingWire's latest podcast, The Daily Download, which is a daily wrap of HousingWire's hottest stories, now available on Spotify, Google Podcast, and more.